I'm always putting constant stress on my body, which is why I decided to try mud water. And it has been a game changer in regard to mental focus. The blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, cordyceps, and lion's mane all support focus, physical performance, and are great for the immune system. Now, these aren't the hallucinogenic type of mushrooms, but I do like that mud water gives back to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Using Psychedelics to help treat individuals with mental health disorders. Go to mudwater.com, that's M-U-D-W-T-R, use code CAM for 15% off your first order. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. All right. Well, we're here with Laura Zara. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Man, this is so fun. I'm so pumped that you came here, lift, run, shoot, and now we're podcasting. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. Yeah, I've had a good time. Yeah, I okay. have. I love suffering though, so you know. Yeah, I was thinking I first, uh, I think I first heard about you maybe from Adam or saw pictures where Adam Greentree down in Australia, you guys were shed hunting maybe? Yes, I had the best shed hunting day of my life with him. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. I actually have a tattoo, one of the antlers from that day on my arm. That's that tattoo right there? Yep. So... <clears throat> Tell me about your tattoos while we're while we're on the topic, because I saw the one, the one is a, a werewolf and a woman. Like, yeah, it's eating a lady. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, it's kind of what happened to me, I guess. So uh, <laughs> in a previous life. Yeah, yeah. You know, in this life, like metaphorically. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, no, do you think that like how does how does that story tie in? Seriously. I mean, I don't know. I think I just became this feral creature and so you know i i didn't i wasn't born feral i just the feral chose me i guess yeah how is that i mean (laughs) it's great i love it well let's uh let's see so what's your title oh god don't ask me that question that's the the one thing not you know survivalist for me conjures up images of someone sitting in a well, I was going to say cave, but yeah, bunker. Um, and like, you know, romanticizing the end of the world and having like a ton of gear. Right. And like, they're really angry about it mm-hmm. and they're just hoping everyone dies and that's not me. So, so I don't like survivalists, but yeah. uh, I don't know what to call myself ever. More like a sun, sunshine survivalist, like a happy one, <laughs> not, not thinking of the end of the world. Like this is... Survivalist by choice, not because I'm expecting the worst. But because I think it's just fun. And you, you live, you kind of reference it, but you live in a cave. I live in a cave. I think that's a, always a great icebreaker. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it doesn't make things awkward at all. <laughs> doesn't conjure up any questions. Not none. No. Mm. You move on pretty quickly after saying that. So. And I, I saw in your bio, I haven't seen it, but you, you have a show on Carbon TV called Uncivilized. Decivilized, or yeah. Or Decivilized, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been super fun. I mean... I, I kind of worked with network television and I'm nothing against network television, but I just, I'm like a low drama person Mm -hmm. and I feel like there were so many things I just wanted to like, 
I love it when people can go into the backcountry and not put themselves into dumb situations. Mm -hmm. And I've been in a lot of dumb situations myself. So if I can help impart some information to people that I've learned through my, you know, hard won battles, sufferings, yeah, so that they don't have to go through that and they can like do better and mm -hmm. be better out there, then that's kind of my mission with that. Yeah. I mean, is, is that so that's a premise of the show? Education. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. And, and um, not doing it in like a way that's, you know, I'm going to dominate nature. It's yeah, like, no. I can't take myself seriously. So <laughs> it's just like goofy. Yeah. Yeah. But people like it, I, I presume. Yeah. And then it's been really how, fun. how many, like, is just one cameraman with you or? It's generally just me, which is hilarious because mm. I'm so bad at recording anything, but I have a great cameraman, um, Heath. He does, you know, like some of the, like the interview stuff that ties things together and um, he does my editing because again, mm. yeah, I would, I can't do that part of it. Yeah. Well, you don't have to, you're Thank the, God. you're the face, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always a funny thing because yeah, that the business side of things that even like keeping up on phone calls and emails, that's mm. so hard for me. But I mean, I can go out and do it. I really admire people who can do both. I don't. So how does one make money as a survivalist? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. You're not worried <laughs> about that part. But I don't need much. So yeah. it's great. I mean, that's the beauty of it is I, I live for like 10 years without money. So I know that it's just, it's a bonus and it's a super useful tool, but, mm -hmm. um, it gives me freedom to not only have to focus on that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so it sounds like we were, we spent yesterday together and just BSing and it sounds like you grew up a fairly normal tra trajectory, school, college. Um, and now, cause I hear now your mindset on money and like, you don't need much. It's, it's, I don't know if you've seen fight club, they kind of talk about materialism and, and, you know, chasing whatever society says is important or American psycho. You ever seen that? I've never, I've seen fight club, never American psycho. So it's kind of the same where it's just like, what is the point to work and money and what do we existence? Right. So and I, yeah. where did, where did that change for you? Cause like I said, did you grow up with fairly normal? I grew up, well, I, I was kind of two people. Like I was fairly normal. I was really shy, but I was fairly normal. Mm -hmm. I was kind of a nerd, but then I would have this whole other life where I'd go into the, you know, I call it the woods, but it was like the overgrown tobacco fields by my house. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like pretty feral out there, but just then by I yourself? just by myself, mm -hmm. um, occasionally I'd get someone to come with me and then, you know, they'd like lose their shoes in a river and never want to come with me again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it was just like these two different people, but I couldn't do that publicly because mm -hmm. I was like, everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. And then it was, it wasn't until college that I kind of melded it and was like, I don't care anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to be who I am. Like people can take it or leave it. And then, right. um, it just got better. Hmm. Great. What, what do you mean got better? Um, I don't know. It was like all the things that I thought that people would like hate me for is what they love me for now. Okay. And I think that was kind of like this big transition where I felt like I had to hide something cause I didn't fit into this mold Yeah. and it was just so much work mm -hmm. and it made me really sad. And then once I started just being who I was all the time, then I was really enjoying life a lot more. You were happy. So happy. You were happy with nothing out. You said, you told me you were hitchhiking, right? Is yes. that what you did? Yeah. Hitchhiking. I, it, I mean, it sounds bad. Eating out of dumpsters, eating right? Eating out of dumpsters, like living the dream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, and it, you know, going back to the money thing, it's like, it, I, I saw people who were sacrificing their happiness and their passion in life to 
make money. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, you know, sometimes that is kind of like when you have responsibilities and, you know, all these things, um, I'm not like minimizing that for people, but I also think there's the world we live in right now is really cool because you can do both. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that then. And I just thought, well, I'm never going to chase money because I see that lead to unhappiness and, you know, coming around, it's like, I'm not against money. Like I understand, like it has value because you can use it as this tool. It's when that relationship becomes skewed and you start thinking of it as the goal as, right. uh, you know, instead of the means to the goal mm -hmm. or a, a helping hand to get to your goal. That's when it, you know, becomes a problem and people don't keep that straight. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I mean, it just in, people try to relate this to their own story. And when I think of that, I think I always had the hardest time tying money to my passion, which was bow hunting. And I was just like, how does money fit in this? Because I, I bow hunt just because I love to be out kind of like, you know, the feeling that it's hard to describe, but until you're out there, then, you know, but, and then, you know, balancing the money part of bow hunting as a business, it was right. just always, I mean, so I get that you don't need it, but it's a means to an end, like because of the business part of it, I've been able to go to Australia and home with mm -hmm. Adam or exactly. go to Africa. So it's like, you can't really cuss one part and enjoy the other part of it, right. but you, you got to balance it. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to hitchhike across an ocean. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, so yeah, it is. It's like that balance. I just remember going to third world countries and seeing these like kids in villages that were so happy and they had nothing. Mm -hmm. And then you'd go to, you know, a really nice resort and, you'd see these people that just looked miserable lying mm -hmm. around this infinity pool. And it was like, all right, well, yeah, you can have money and be happy, but you have to make that a goal instead of just having it be about the money. Yeah. I mean, cause you, and I've seen those same type of people in Africa where you're driving by, it's a grass shack and there's a million kids running around and people are dancing. Mm -hmm. They don't have shit. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, for what, what would we say it, what do you have or what do you own or what, possessions they don't they don't have any of that mm -hmm. but dancing and smiling right and then you think like well you know these people are never like if you talk about suicide mm -hmm. it's always people like that we know with things yes. that you'd look from the outside and you'd be like man it looked like they had everything but rich people are killing themselves whereas the people who fight every day for survival they're they're not depressed Right. Or maybe they are, but they're, they're not killing themselves. Like, you know, it's, it's just a weird thing. Like it's so they're weird. not giving up. Yeah. And I think there's like, you know, just in my experience, when you go out and you, you know, I'm sure you've had similar experiences when you're out in the backcountry and like, you don't have much, but everything you have has value mm -hmm. and you really appreciate things. And then when you come back, you appreciate all of the other things that you couldn't have out there. And there's just like this gratitude and like appreciation for what you have where, if you can just get anything at any time, it's harder to put yourself in a position where you can appreciate that. Like you can still do it. Mm -hmm. You just have to kind of make sure that you're doing that or else it just becomes, you know. Yeah, that's the hard part because I think all this sounds great to people listening, but then you know how it is. It's like you actually get out there and it's like, holy shit, this is, <laughs> I mean, because it's cool. I mean, it looks cool and we people see what you do and you know, you've been on TV, you've done all this, you always have the big smile, but there's some challenge out there. You know, it's not all just sunshine and rainbows. No, out there. It's not like, at all. So people get to the mountains and they're, I mean, I remember I've been with people in the mountains 
you know how you eat a sandwich and you got the crust Some people don't like crust and you know through the crust in the mat like in the wilderness through the crust and i'm like you're gonna want that later yes i mean totally you're not gonna be wanting to throw away fucking crust no. i mean that's what we do here at home you know what i mean exactly. out there it's like I'd be so excited if I found a crust them someone yeah, threw away in the I woods. Know. Well, even even you go run the mountains and oh, you wanted something to drink. Yeah. Could I have some water? Yeah. You know, and here it's just like you know, like I'm not drinking water and need a pop or a whatever. Right. But all you care about is so that's what I love about it because yeah. it's a reset. Yeah. Oh um, god. Ice cubes. Like when you're out surviving and you have to like boil your water and then you have an ice cube when you get back to civilization, it's like, oh my god. God, yeah. this is a luxury. This is awesome. Yeah, the little things. Um, so what do you think, like, in the survival setting, what would you say is most important? Mindset. Staying positive? or Staying positive, but also staying just creative. You know, yeah. it's not like, fo it's where your focus is. It's, are you going to focus on what you don't have and what you wish you had? Or are you going to be like, okay, well, I do have all these things. How do I take these things and, you know, fix this problem that I have? Mm -hmm. So it's just this creative analytical thinking all the time where you're like, I'm going to try that. If it doesn't work, I'm going to try something else. I'm not going to be like, oh, if I only had this one item or this one resource, then it would be fine. It's mm -hmm. like, no, like, forget that. You don't have it. You can't change that. What you can change is like, how are you going to use what you have? And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like this mental ability to, to be okay with something failing, trying again, troubleshooting, mm -hmm. and not just be so in, in a sense it is about having a positive mindset but it's also about being able to do something with that positive mindset because mm -hmm. if you're out there and you're like this is great and then mm, you know you're hypothermic you're still gonna die right you know? yeah i mean and is that where you see most people struggle is well, why do people fail in a survival setting i think they do just get caught in that loop of mm. i'm in a bad situation um I, if I had these things or if I didn't do this or if this didn't happen or if the weather was good, I'd be okay. Um, I think panic's another big thing is you can make really dumb decisions if you're in a state of panic. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're not seeing possibilities and you're only seeing problems, then you're going to fail. And there's just, there's always a way. It's just like finding it and being willing to like do that. Yeah. I mean, how much can people learn from the outside looking in it? I mean, do you see people, do you have to learn it like trial and error or can you learn it and just go, have you seen people just go, never d done it, read a book, listen to your stuff and then sort like did great. I, yeah. I mean, I think like I definitely learned from trial and error, but it also a lot of what you read in books, you know, something might work really great in one situation, mm -hmm. like traps work really great in one environment for one specific animal. But if you just think that that's going to work for every animal in every environment, like you're wrong. Right. There's always something to figure out there. So, so much of what you read is okay in this situation, this worked, but you can't just expect that to be able right. to like, you know, that's a lot of things lining up Yeah, to, but for that situation. Right. For sure. I think it's more about, you know, I think the biggest thing people can learn when they're not in the backcountry, they're not surviving or whatever is like, okay, what are my needs? What is going to kill me first? Because mm. if you know what those are and you know, some general concepts of how to, you know, meet those needs and not have that thing that's going to kill you happen, mm -hmm. then you can apply that knowledge and uh, be creative better because you know what your goal is. Mm -hmm. When you're out, you know, you've been on what naked and afraid five times. Is that right? Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. Is, uh, I guess the terrain would weigh in on this, but what do you prioritize first shelter or water? 
shelter. Shelter. That's what's going to kill you first. It's mm-hmm. like if you get really cold right before dark, mm-hmm. if it pours rain, you don't have a shelter, you don't have a fire, and all of a sudden it's, you know, even if you do have a fire, if you don't have a shelter for your fire and it pours rain, you're probably not going to keep it. So mm-hmm. because that's what's going to get me first out there, that's always my priority. And, um, and then is it water or food? Then it's water. Food is last. Food yeah. is like a bonus. Yeah. Because I don't know, it's one of those things where most people don't go without food for a day. Like mm-hmm. most people have never fasted in right. any capacity, uh, even when they're not surviving. So you, we think it's more important than it is because you feel that hunger pain and you're like, oh, my energy's down. And it's like, well, no, mm-hmm. like it's not really yet. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I've gone a week without food. I've, I think it's like five days really before I start feeling like my energy actually mm-hmm. decrease after a couple of days, you don't even feel the hunger anymore. Right. It goes away. It goes away pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely going to kill you last out there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was thinking about this too. So what, if you could choose, would you choose to getting food, getting meat, getting whatever to survive, would you choose killing something or scavenging? Because I was wondering, I was thinking about this, because like if you scavenge, you're not causing more death. It's true. You know what I mean? If you kill, obviously you're killing. Right. So how do you see that? I mean, I feel like when, when I'm out there, obviously there's a lot of factors that come along with scavenging. Like I would prefer to kill something just because there's variables that you can control Mm -hmm. as far as like contamination and getting sick. And it's like, I don't have a, I mean, it's not like I like love killing, Mm -hmm. but, um, I don't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it just makes me appreciate everything more. Right. Um, I, I mean, I feel like I scavenge more in the front country than I ever would in the back country because roadkill and things yeah, like that. It's like, it's there, you know, it's, you know how it died, you know why it died. Cause that's the other risk. I mean, you find a dead animal in the woods, you're like, well, what, what, yeah. what, what happened here? And if it right. did get killed by something else, like, is that something else going to come and try to like, <laughs> yeah, kill me? Cause I stole its food. Right. Is so how much food do you find? I guess it depends on the time of year scavenging, like, so not dead animals, but like, I think finding food is hard if you're just off the, off the land itself, not the animals, but knowing what to eat, how'd you learn all that? Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you know, at first it was like talking to people. I don't do the trial and error thing. I think there's like too many plants out there that can just straight up kill you. Mm -hmm. And in general, I mean, if you have like a source of berries or something, you're getting sugars, that's awesome. But just like generally plants, I mean, unless you have like a real knowledge of the land, it's not worth it for the 10 calories you're going to get from this salad you make. Like you yeah. pick the wrong leaf and, um, that's a huge problem. So it's yeah. like, unless I really know a place, then I'm not just like, Oh, I think this is this edible plant. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know that part very well at all. I can kill, I can do that pretty good. The living off the land, like to, yeah, I mean, I know blackberries, blueberries, but yeah, that's it's like great. the basics. But man, I I don't know. I've always been curious about that because there's so many different plants depending on where you are. Oh yeah. And like we you know, we talked about into the wild. I think what killed him is he he ended up eating a berry that was very similar to a berry you, well, that was edible. Right. Yeah, I know. It's it's so funny. There's this whole controversy about that now. Like maybe he just didn't have enough fat in his diet because he was eating like really lean meat and mm-hmm. versus the toxicity of like the wild potato seed or whatever it was that yeah. that got him. And it's like, but that, I mean, 
regardless of whatever it was that got him, that is a real thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certain mushrooms that you can accidentally eat. And God, there's one where you just have to eat like piles of raw meat because the way your body is breaking down your insides, like the only way to replenish what it's taking is like, if you don't eat piles of raw meat, it's going to kill you. I mean, that's like, if you don't know your mushrooms, like don't experiment, you know, it's just like, you're not getting enough. I think a long-term right. survival situation, if you're going to be out there for a year and you need the vitamins that certain plants can offer, yeah, that's going to be a bonus. And clearly like in hard times, it's easier to have like a stockpile of, you know, whatever, some root that is starchy. Yeah. But generally, if you can, if you can get your meat, that's like the number one thing. Yeah, I know. That's, I mean, because I think we forget we, cause we have everything here, but how dense and what a great source of calories and, and protein, of course, meat is. Because, yeah, yeah, you can eat berries and salads. I mean, there's some fruit that are quite a bit of sugar, but it's not going to last like meat does. Right. And it's just there is no substitute for meat. It's Being amazing. able to, like, choose to be a vegan is such a, like, first world luxury. I mean, it's just, it's not a real, in my opinion, just practical thing if you're actually going out and living off the land. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, like... I don't have, you know, like the teeth that we have, the digestive systems that we have, like we're supposed to eat meat. Built for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I've never, I don't know. That's, that's a debate, I guess, for in the first world where we have everything, right? I guess you can choose to do that, but in the mountains, no, no. Um, because you've been doing this for so long and you've been around and you've taught classes, you've rubbed elbows with other people with this like a kind of a similar background, who's been the, the best survivalist you've met or that you've learned the most from? I was just curious about this. Hmm. Um, I, yeah, the, it's, it's interesting cause the world like varied experience and all of that. I think mm-hmm. there wasn't really a teacher that I had mm-hmm. that I, you know, I, the person that probably had the most impact, um, Manuel Zeralde, he was my, uh, anthropology professor in college mm-hmm. and he's the one who you know i'd be like dragging roadkill off the highway and i'm like i'm i don't actually you know i'd, I'd butcher things but i don't know what i'm doing like can you yeah. show me what to do and i built my first bow with him and mm-hmm. um so he grew up with a, a tribe in venezuela his dad was an anthropologist so mm-hmm. like as a kid he spent a lot of time down there okay so he learned these skills firsthand from a young age and he probably you know taught me the most like actual skills. Mm. I don't think he'd call himself a survivalist, even though he definitely had more knowledge than anyone I'd ever met. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, it really was just me getting lucky (laughs) and figuring things out and putting myself in really dumb situations. Yeah. Um, for a long time. It's, uh, yeah, it's incredible going from, uh, you wouldn't think that a, a girl going to college on the East coast would transition to be this wilderness Western, I don't know. You say not survivalist, but I don't know what whatever. It is. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, it's funny now. I just remember trying to find everything I wanted when I was still in college and I was living in the arboretum of the college, which definitely was not allowed, but I just had this like secret hidden shelter that I built <laughs> in like this really d- like dark thicket. Yeah. And I would, you know, show up to class with like sticks in my hair <laughs> and it was like a really like preppy, college in Connecticut. Yeah. So everyone just thought it was completely insane. I, I remember pulling a, a roadkill deer off the highway and butcher, like hanging in a tree on campus 
and butchering it and just having campus safety like they didn't know what to do they were just stare like what <laughs> do we talk do with this i just kind of ignored everyone yeah. and had this funny little crowd around me and i was like whatever i'm getting my meat like go to class what are you guys doing <laughs> and then and then what happened so what'd you do with it you got the meat off the animal yeah then what'd you do I brought it into the kitchen of like one of the like student housing places and cooked it up and it was great. How does, so did you hunt when you're growing up or? No, no, my, no one in my family hunted. Um, so it was just something where like I was a vegan for a while, mm. which is hilarious. In college or when? Um, it was like in high school and into oh. college just because I was like, I don't know, like I don't really know about where our meat comes from. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of gross and then I was like, but I crave meat all the time and I'm tired, but Hey, I'm 18. I must just be getting old, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then I had meat actually from, um, Manuel, he was a hunter. Mm -hmm. And so he'd like soaked deer meat in the dregs of this like homemade wine. Mm. And I just was like popped a raw piece in my mouth and I was like, Oh, you're going to get sick. And like, no, it was the opposite. I was like bouncing off the walls. I was like, yeah. This is what I needed. Tasted I finally so have energy again. And, and mm. I was like, all right, I need to, you know, I was scavenging roadkill for the hides but mm -hmm. then I started scavenging it for the meat because I didn't know how to hunt and mm -hmm. I didn't know who was going to teach me and I felt bad asking for help but um eventually like I just pestered him enough that he ended up um you know helping me build a bow and kind of walking me through some things and really that started everything is uh so you're just you wanted the hides yeah, I just uh, wanted to first. like, yeah, just salvage something. Like I yeah. go by roadkill all the time and I'm like, man, that's a waste. Yeah. I should do something with that. Waste of life. And yeah. Yeah. Cause did you see, there's a deer heading out to Wayne's yesterday. Did you see that? I always see roadkill. Yeah. I just try not to say anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause you're seeing there and you, you, I do, I mean, I hate when animals get killed by cars. I mean, it just sucks. You know, it's, I don't know. It, it is a waste, but, um, you see all that resource laying there too. Yeah. And it's a life. Yeah. And a life was sacrificed. And I hate when lives are sacrificed with no, nothing, nothing gained from it. And you know, honestly, what ends up happening a lot is some scavenger will come to eat, you know, whatever the roadkill is and then they get hit too. Yeah. So it just ends up becoming this whole thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, if I can use that and it's already dead, yeah. then, I mean, I've like, filled my tag from, um, roadkill just cause I'm like, well, like, yeah, I love hunting and it's like, I love the experience of it. And I think it's important for me just because, you know, you, you learn the land differently, you learn mm -hmm. the animals differently, your mindset. I mean, everything that happens out there is so important, but at the end of the day to actually fill the tag, as much as I do love the moment of, you know, being able to like have that moment with an animal, mm -hmm. it, it's, if I, if I see it on the side of the road and it's still going to serve the same purpose and it's good enough for me to actually be able to consume, um, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good mindset. It's, uh, most people they see roadkill and they're just like, you know, it's <laughs> nobody thinks about picking it up. You yeah, know and I, mean? I, you know, I think when people hear that I eat roadkill, they think that I'm getting the, you know, rotten pancaked, like inch yeah, high thing the on the maggot, side of the road. Maggot infested. Been there for two weeks. So can you, there still is good meat if there's maggots on the outside, isn't there? I don't, I don't test my limits too much with that. Mm. I used to push things a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, the answer would be yes. Mm -hmm. Um, generally speaking, right. but it's, it's less like the presence of maggots or bugs or anything like that, that I'm looking for and more mm -hmm. like 
you know, you can tell just from looking at an animal's eyes, how long it's been dead. Yeah. And obviously other like environmental factors, like the time of day that you find mm. it. And, um, if you find it early in the morning and the right. eyes aren't completely sunken in, like yeah. it's probably Fairly hit recently. Yeah. yeah. Versus if you find it in the afternoon, it's been sitting on the sun all day. Right. And I mean, our bodies also just tell us by the smell of the meat, mm -hmm. you have this like visceral reaction to rotten meat where you're like, Nope, I'm yeah. not I'd like my body doesn't want that. <clears throat> no, I mean, I think even with the smell, I still think if you had to, there would be cutting off the outside I just don't know what, what our stomachs, our stomachs aren't very strong right now. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. Like a dog can eat pretty much anything. Yeah. You know? And, but with us, with our stomachs the way they are, yeah, I don't know what we could get away with. I've never, I mean, yeah, I've never taken too many chances on that. So I'm, that's my one thing is I'm scared to puke. So I like, don't like being in that state of like having. <laughs> Are you going to puke? Yeah. So I eat all these weird things, but I mean, I've never gotten sick from food that I prepared or butchered or mm -hmm. anything like that. And, um, I'm like more conservative than I think, you know, some people, people might that, think. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Cause I, I, I expect you to be pushing the limit on that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I have mm -hmm. to some extent in certain yeah. instances I've definitely, yeah. Yeah. had some stuff where I'm like, Oh, this doesn't really taste like meat. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine. I'm always like, when I kill something, it's all I care about is keeping that meat clean. Oh yeah. Taking care. I'm like so obsessed with just you know, if I take it to a processor or, or whatever happens that it gets there and it's perfect in perfect condition, I'm, I've, I'm obsessed with that. So me kind too. of all this hypothetical, like rotten maggots, it's like just me just thinking, <laughs> right. I, thought, I no, thought you I, might know. And I'm a, like, I was a butcher for a while. So yeah. I was like a psycho about just, I mean, some, some people would bring in their animal and they'd like cart it around the back of their pickup mm -hmm. all day in the sun, just showing it off. And then they'd bring it in. And I, I was know. like, and now you're going to eat this. I know. Or it'd like have like, you know, the, like half the guts still in it and it's just festering. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's why people eat meat. Sometimes it's game meat and they're like, oh, it's gamey. Yeah. I'm like, man, if you're really taking care of it mm -hmm. and really like from like when the, the moment that it dies to yeah. the moment that it's in your freezer, if you really take care of it, it doesn't have that like no. disgusting. None of the kills I have, like, so, you know, I killed quite a few animals last year. There is not one gamey. Yeah. I haven't had a gamey bite of any of it. Exactly. And it's just, it's all in how quick you're on it after it dies because people do, I, I don't know. I think they get caught up a little bit and yeah, everybody wants pictures and everybody wants to, you know, go and show their buddies. I get it. I mean, yeah. I get it. But man, every second that passes, it's uh, the meat's not getting any better, you know? So it's like, it's as fresh as it's going to get. Yeah. Let's take care of it, keep it clean. And then we can show pictures afterwards is totally. how I look at it. For sure. But, like get a couple, but it's not all about that. And mm -hmm. I don't know, especially if you want to like bring people, like preserve the hunting culture and you want to introduce people to game meat and then mm -hmm. you give them something that's you like can barely stomach. It's like, mm. Yeah, I take uh, I drop off meat at my old work all the time. There's a cooler in there, and I'll just go and just put cool, you know, because a lot of people don't hunt. So I just fill up that cooler with deer, elk, bear, and um, I'm always nervous that some, they they would get one package that for whatever reason had a little right. tang to right. it, and uh, it hasn't happened, you know. But I love that. that that can ruin. Some people say that, I mean, they'll never eat wild game after one time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my uncle gave me some deer meat when I was 15 and it was so gross. I'll never try it again. I mm -hmm. never want to have that experience again. It's like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. 
I know it's uh, it can ruin it for for people, but uh, man, there's not when they taste it. The best bull I I kill each year is usually in Arizona. For whatever reason, that meat I can tell when I eat that meat. I'm just like, there's got to be Arizona, and it's just <laughs> I don't know. There, there's nothing like to me. I love elk, but uh, I eat anything. But man, that one area of Arizona for whatever reason, meat is so good. I love that. I, yeah. Where's, where's the best meat you've had? I, I mean, honestly, like Eastern whitetail, just like that. It, I think all whitetail smells kind of buttery and mm-hmm. I love butter. But for some reason, like the Eastern whitetails, I feel like they're just so, they just smell like butter. Mm-hmm. Tastes like. Yeah. It's. So the raw meat, you can, I oh, mean, God, raw meat smells good. I love, yeah. I, I like eating raw meat too. Like really? I just love like when it's good, you know, mm-hmm. and when you know that there's been no contamination, but my, probably my favorite wild meat is porcupine. Really? I, there's a reason they're covered in quills. They are so delightful. Really? So that's like I've one never of my had favorites. one. Oh, it's so, they're so tender. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is it, uh, hmm. Yeah. Obviously lean, like all wild game, but just has good taste, huh? It has good taste and just, you know, I just find that it's just, uh, you can tell that it's not a sprinter. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes, that does make a difference. I think. What's the weirdest game meat you've ever, have you ever had any game that you didn't like? Um, God, mm, I don't think, I mean, up in, you know, Northwest territories, they cooked like testicles and I think they had, <laughs> God, did they have brain? Oh yeah. Scrapple. Yeah. Mm. And that was like, just cause I'm not used the to texture it. Texture thing. I'm not used to it. Yeah. And so that was, you know, I'm a big backstrap, yeah. you know, like the normal. So yeah. that was a little bit, I'm not, I'm usually like not too adventuresome on my diet. I eat the, pretty much the same shit every day. It's funny too. Like when you start thinking, I mean, have you ever eaten any insects? Mm, not a lot. If it's I had, like, I should have brought around. some, but it, I feel like it's one of those things where in a lot of cultures, it's totally normal and it's great. And like, if you actually can look at it without that, you know, Oh God, I'm eating a bug and mm-hmm. I can like feel its legs in my mouth. Yeah. It actually tastes really good, hmm. but it's just like the mental thing. And right. that's so it's like the brain is so powerful, like for better or worse, but it's just funny because you do get in this mindset of this is gross because I'm eating a bug, but yeah. if you could look at it objectively. You'd be like, actually it's delicious. Yeah. I mean, I've never, I've, one time when I was in uh, the basically the top end there in Australia, me and Adam flew out from Darwin and we were going to go buffalo hunting. So we headed east and uh, we got dropped off in this little village and nobody was there. It was like had solar panels and stuff. It's like they had built it up for people to live there, but the, the Aborigines, whatever, they wanted, didn't want to live there. Yeah. So we're there staying in this little shack and we found a refrigerator was plugged in and it's still working because of the solar panels. So we found like some, we, we, our, our goal was we're going to go back there and survive off the land. <laughs> so <laughs> we didn't take any food and uh, just got dropped off and we found these frozen hamburger patties. So we cooked up the hamburger patties yes. and I just had them like wrapped up in tin foil in my pack. And so one day we were, you know, we were having a hard time. The buffalo is rough to eat. They're yeah. so old. Yeah. You know, the bulls we were killing. We caught some fish, so we had that. But um, I'm like, I can't even eat that hamburger patty. So I took it out, undid the tinfoil, and it was just covered with ants. Like ants everywhere. And I'm like, I did not give a fuck. Yeah. You know, definitely ate that meat. Yeah. Ate, 
you know, you try to brush off some ants, but it doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. You know, you're just it's eating. It, who totally. cares? Who cares? So that's, that's the closest I've got to actually like intentionally eating bugs, but <laughs> I'll take it. In the I mean, you know, when you're like, I mean, I did cheat a little bit cause in the airport I bought a trail mix thing. So we had one trail mix and I, I don't know if we shared it. I can't remember now, but you know, surviving off the land isn't as easy it's as one not, might think. No, it's not. And I, did you guys bring any salt? That's always what I miss. Mm, it's like, oh gosh, you just crave salt. And I ended up like licking so. my arms to get salt. I don't think so. Yeah. So like lick your arm per bite, like a bite. Y and lick. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you gotta just <laughs> add it. Sometimes yeah. you can't have it all in one, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about drink urine? So I did. I, funny to story. That. I was like going out to film a show, and the licking the the salt reminded me. I yeah, like didn't plan yeah. on this one. It was. Uh, I basically went out and was told that there wasn't going to be water for a while, mm -hmm. and so I'm like, all right, well, I'm probably you know I've never had to drink my pee. I don't really know if that's even really a thing, but I feel like if you're really dehydrated and then you decide to drink your pee, I mean that's not ideal. So I'm like, I'm going to get it's really hydrated. Dark. It's yeah. pretty dark. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Like, it's like it Gatorade. Coming. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if, you know, but if you're like really hydrated, then it's like basically water coming out. Yeah. So I just figured that that would be like the way I'd store water. It was just like over hydrating to the point mm -hmm. where I was like, oh my God, I have to pee so bad and it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like I'll just, you won't waste it and it won't mm -hmm. be bad and it'll be great. So I go out and it's like, you know, it's been a couple hours. It's, I don't know, 90 something degrees in the Colombian Savannah and I'm really thirsty and I'm like, all right, I, I really have had to pee for a while. Like, I'm, yeah. this is it. And so like drink my pee and I mean, it wasn't terrible, but you know, it's like, it's warm. That's the worst part, yeah. I think. So it's yeah. never great. Um, but then like 20 minutes later, we found this like beautiful spring. <laughs> like, oh no. So that's well, the only time I've ever done it. But actually it's funny because you didn't get sick or anything. I didn't get sick or anything. Yeah. No, it like, was not a big deal. Um, but <sighs> the biggest problem I had was that I was so overhydrated that my electrolytes were off. Mm. So because I just had, you know, I mean, I don't even know how many gallons of water I drank that morning, mm -hmm. but, um, I started getting lightheaded because I wasn't replenishing with right. food and I had just like thrown everything out of balance. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first started, um, licking the sweat off my arms. Yeah. But it, no. you know, it's effective. That's true. Yeah. You can like, cause I do those long races and you can overhydrate. Yeah. You can underhydrate. You can have too much salt, not enough yeah. salt. It's like, there is a, a balancing There's act a balance. in there for sure. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I've never had to drink my pee, but I was going to ask, but I've, I, yeah. I've read or I've watched, um, who is that? The British special forces. Survival oh, uh, Bear Grylls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, on TV, I've seen right, it. Right. So who knows how true yeah, it is? I know. It's, I th feel like he also squeezed water out of like elephant yeah, dung shit. or something. I'm like, mm, yeah, that's also a line for me. Mm, I know. <laughs> not going to be doing that in survival. Cause you know, if you get sick out there it's not just like oh it sucks to be sick like that mm -hmm. is gonna put you on a slippery slope down i was wondering because i as i told you i watched like i think your first naked and afraid last night so doing funny. research but when you guys were eating all those water apples i was oh, wondering yeah. like if that would upset your stomach yeah those were so, so much fruit for sure um it was so mild they were mm. really like um you know it's almost like a watermelon where it's not like a strong sweet mm -hmm. flavor. well i guess watermelon's sweeter than those water apples were but um yeah there's definitely a lot of there's plenty of stuff that you can eat out there where if you overdo it yeah it's an issue but those things were like those were good they were good hmm. yeah 
And some that, of them are fermented. So we were almost like getting drunk off oh, almost really? the ground. Yeah. Huh. Wild. Yeah. I mean, they looked good right. on, the sh on the show. Yeah. The sea urchin, I think, that the guy you were with wasn't too into that one. That's so weird. Like, it's like yeah. a delicacy. You yeah. pay a lot of money for a sea urchin. Right. Yeah. What the biggest score was at the lobsters you caught? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It was like so much food. Mm -hmm. It was so good. Yeah. I bet after being, that was like two weeks down the road, finally yeah. getting some meat and yeah. or good food probably was pretty nice. Um, when you first started, so I'm going to go back to like, you got this calling, you're getting, you know, pulling deer off the highway, skinning them out at college. When did you first become a hunter? You said that the anthropology guy yeah. taught you, but when, when did you get your first kill? I'm excited to announce a partnership with Ice Barrel Cold Plunges. You guys know that I make it a daily ritual to jump into the ice bath before a long run just to get my head right. Just a little bump. And Ice Barrel has provided a cost-effective solution for your cold plunge needs. Ice baths are one of the fastest ways I reset my body because it releases all the endorphins in the most natural way. I like to suffer, and I can tell you, once you start using an ice barrel cold plunge, you'll like the cold-induced suffer as well. Cold therapy reduces inflammation and pain by constricting blood flow to muscles. By temporarily reducing nerve activity, cold therapy reduces swelling and muscle spasms. Get yours at icebarrel.com and use code CAM for $125 off. I think we all can agree, no one likes a plumber's crack. My suggestion, Groove Life belts and longer shirts. But not only does Groove Life have belts, they have silicone rings, watch bands, and wallets for everyday use. I've been using their belts for over a year now, and I can tell you they're easy to adjust and my crack is covered. Go to GrooveLife.com backslash cam and use code cam for 20% off your order. Hey guys, you want to be as smart as famed neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, PhD at Stanford? Well, sadly, that's probably not going to happen. But I did find something that can help, and that's HVMN Ketone IQ. I actually downed one right before reading this, so if I sound decent, it's probably why. Because I'm not sure if you guys realize how much brain power podcasting takes. But whatever I can take that will at least make me sound smarter, I'm in. Ketone IQ is a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Ketone IQ increases your blood ketones. I'm not on a keto diet, but by taking Ketone IQ, I can achieve the desired focus and energy for explosive workouts that ketones typically provide to those in ketosis. You can find Ketone IQ at your local Sprouts or online at hvmn.com. Use code CAM, C-A-M, for 20% off your first order. I would mm. go out hunting with him, um, the Arboretum the like deer would get into certain parts of it. And I mean, in Connecticut, there's not a lot of hunters. And so yeah. there's just deer getting hit everywhere. Everyone's lawn, there's no vegetation, you know, to where the deer can reach. Yeah. And so, um, I would go out with him and, uh, it was, it was pretty, um, incredible to, uh, I don't know, just to experience it. Cause I'd dealt with so many dead things, but mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, like the first deer, um, I ended up having to like chase down before it ran into this uh amphitheater full of like 
you know, after his wounded or what? Picnicking. What? Um, yeah, yeah. It was like wounded, and it was just headed straight for it. Oh, and it was man. like it's not like it was a secret that we were killing them, but like none of those kids definitely right. knew, and they would be horrified and wouldn't understand necessarily because. Mm-hmm you know, for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, I just remember like having to like chase this deer down and like, I remember like we had to like jump on it and I, you know, we cut its throat and it, it was screaming of course, yeah. even though there was like no blood left. I mean, it's just incredible the will to survive. And mm-hmm. I just had this romantic image. You cut something's throat and it dies. Right. And it, it did, you know, like the scream just stops coming out of its mouth. It starts coming out of the hole in the throat. And I was just like, wow. oh my God, this is so it's real. Pretty intense. It was so intense. And I'm having this whole moment of just like, oh my gosh, like this is like, this is like life. You mm-hmm. know, it's like my first experience of like, wow, like this is what goes into keeping me alive mm-hmm. and just all these emotions and feelings. And then I just vaguely it was like almost like waking up from a dream where you just vaguely in the distance hear these voices and i look up on on the other side of the fence on the road out there like the girls lacrosse team is like jogging and they're like let's go and i was just like wow you guys are having a very different college experience yeah. than me man i guess yeah. yeah that's intense i mean it's uh you know i've spined deer before too and hurt yeah they've made noise and it's not the most pleasant thing no, I mean, and, but it's real, mm-hmm. you know, and it's Definitely like, real. it's, that's what happens. Um, I think it's, it's something that we can lose sight of. And we know that this happens when animals kill other animals, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that's like, it's part of the sacrifice. It doesn't it's not like good or evil it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. It's just life. But I yeah. think it's, you know, for me, it just made me be like, all right, well, I better do something worth, you know, the like inevitable sacrifice it takes to keep me alive. And mm-hmm. it was inspiring to me more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it didn't turn you off from, from the act of hunting. Not at all. Cause that was, you know, what, what we, everybody's after a clean kill, a mm-hmm. clean, quick kill in hunting. It's not always clean and quick. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no death in the, and there's no guarantee that any death is going to be quick. No, you no, know, that's, that's the way it goes. So it's a, uh, yeah, our goal was a merciful kill, but at times, you know, you look at the wild dogs in Africa or the hyenas and they're eating those animals alive. Yeah. That yeah. the Impala could be standing there with his guts strewn out. Yep. Half dogs, hyenas eating them and they're just standing there. Yep. So yeah, I mean, the reality of it is, it's hard out there. Life, yeah. life is, it's hard to come in with a new life. It's hard to go out with death. That's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's something about like, you know, if I'm going to exist in this world, you know, it, that's part of what goes into it. And just because you don't eat meat and you only eat plants doesn't mean that you're, you know, there's plenty of, first of all, habitat loss. I mean, the, the fact that there's all these animals getting like ripped apart by the the machinery Mm -hmm. and you know it's just like whether you want to see it or whether you want to ignore it and pretend that you live in a fairy tale it's just it's part of what it is and Mm -hmm. I for me I'm just someone who wants to know and I want to experience it and be able to like look that animal in the eye as it's dying and understand that instead of just like oh I'll just pretend it doesn't happen because I don't you know want to it's uncomfortable Yeah, yeah I know that's the truth and it's uh I think there's a big acceptance to when, when you accept that, Hey, things have to die for me to live. It's a big tra- transformation. Yeah. And some people never 
never accept that part. Yeah. They go to the store, they buy the stuff, they buy the meat, they the hot dogs or whatever, chicken breast. And it's like totally, oh no, this is just meat. This right. isn't an animal. Right. So, and it's just crazy to think that people can go through their entire life and never, I mean, connect the dots at all. It's, it's super weird to me. And I, I think it's, you know, if people could understand like, and it sounds like anyone who's a hunter obviously like, understands this emotion, but it's like, you love that animal as it's mm-hmm. dying in, in like the weirdest way. You don't love the chicken you buy off the shelf, right? but like the, the gratitude and the respect. And, you know, when you've had, especially when it's like a longer experience, a longer hunt and you just, you know, I mean, there's deer that I've known better than people that I've mm-hmm. known where it's like, all right, I know that if when he comes up to this tree, he always takes a, a right around it. And it's just like the little things that you learn. And, um, and yeah, it's just different than when you, yeah, buy something from the store, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's yeah. just different. No, it's definitely it's night and day different. Um, so your journey as a hunter started as in Connecticut there. And then what, what's been the most memorable hunt for you and how is this journey? I mean, where do you see it going? Oh man. Um, gosh, most memorable hunt. Oh, how do I even pick? Oh, I remember, um, gosh, I had this hunt in, uh, in Idaho. It was my first elk hunt and it was a rifle hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, but I went out there and I don't know what I was expecting. It was a, it was the late season hunt. I think it was only like, I don't want to say it was like 11 days or something. I was Mm -hmm. out there. And it was just the hardest thing I ever did. Like we started up high, pretty much immediately got like four feet of snow mm-hmm. that we're camping in. And uh, it was me and a couple buddies of mine. And um, it was just, it was hard. I and mean, there was open ground down low, but there was a lot of pressure down low. So mm-hmm. all the elk Push were up in the up. snow, Yeah. but it's like, well, we had to be in that too. And um, finally uh, had an experience where I shot a bull Um, I was up high, he was down lower than me, took the shot and like all this snow from the tree above me just fell. Hmm. And, um, you know, everything's covered in snow. I'm trying to get a second shot and, Mm -hmm. um, I'm borrowing this, like, did you hit him him the first shot? Hit him the first shot, but I couldn't see, Mm -hmm. I was like using my scope instead of like bringing an extra pair of binos and like using my scope. (laughs) And I mean, it's not a far shot, but I was like, I know I hit him, but I want to get another shot in Mm -hmm. him because I don't know what's going on. And Mm -hmm. all like all the bulls are now kind of mixed in and I can't tell which is him by the time I get my scope cleaned off and there's just, there's trees. And I'm like, Oh no, this is my worst nightmare. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not what I want to do. Like I shouldn't be in this situation. And I'm almost like panicked about it because I'm just like, gosh, like that was dumb. I should have mm-hmm. thought I, I should have known. So they all take off and finally find his tracks and he's going down and um, it's snowing like crazy, but you can still kind of where there's trees follow his tracks and mm-hmm. he ends up going so low, I mean, a couple thousand feet and then it turns from snow and it, the snow gets, you know, less deep and then it just turns to rain and it's just open ground and I'm mm-hmm. trying to track, but it's pouring and it's getting dark and I'm like okay, I got to go back to camp. But like I slept for two hours once I finally made it all the way back up to mm-hmm. camp, went down the next day, I think spent two days looking for him. And I was just like, so crestfallen. I was like, that's, you Never know, the hunt's him. almost over. Nope. So I was really, really upset. And I just kind of want to throw the towel in. I was like, well, that was my animal. And, um, mm-hmm. ended up kind of going out on the last day. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just taking my gun for a walk right now. And ended up finding this, um, all like found the elk, but they were so far away Mm. that I wouldn't have time to get there by the time night fell. Ended up just getting this weird feeling and turning around. And it was this one 
kind of viewing lane through the Ceanothus where I could just see this bull and he's just laying down and, um, I'm like, well, you know, kind of looks like the bull, but it's not, but he's just kind of, you know, chilling out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, to, you know, to get to where I can get a good shot on him where I feel comfortable. Cause at this point I'm just like, I want to be close right. because I don't want to, yeah. you know, repeat that. Yeah. And I just, I started losing faith in mm-hmm. my shot and I was like, yeah. I just need to be close. So I spent, I think it was like two hours um, on my back, I dished my pack at the top. I just had my like gun across my stomach and I was on my back, like inchworming down because mm-hmm. the sea note is like, you know, when it dries, it kind of rattles. Yeah. So I just was like worming my way down and I finally get up to him and, um, uh, ended up, you know, kind of sitting up and I'm like, I think I can shoot him now. And I just watched the wind change. I just watched it. I watched as my scent hit his nostrils and mm-hmm. he stands up and he's looking and, and I ended up like taking this ridiculous shot that I, I don't know even why I took it, but it ended up spining him really? and he fell down and I was like, couldn't believe what had just happened. And it's right before sunset. And I'm like, this is like the last hour of mm-hmm. you know shooting light and ended up going up to him. And, um, I found my other bullet hole in him and it was the same bowl. Really? Yeah. No so, way. So I finished it like right then. And it was just the whole experience of like self doubt and, like just going with things and, and pursuing it and the effort that I put in and having it all pay off at the very last moment. Mm-hmm. It just was like such an emotional. What a journey. roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you can't be any lower and it's not like that you're, you're high. Cause it's not like you're high, like you're at Disneyland and, or some fucking birthday party, but you're, you're high because you, you got your bowl. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's not like this joyous, like this is so fun, but it is, you know, when you, when you've been at the lowest of lows because Mm -hmm. of the failures, it doesn't really have to be that fucking high to feel good. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's, uh, it's so intense. I can, I was like hearing you tell that story. I was like sympathetic to you because I know hunting can, I mean, it can test us. It can leave us questioning. Yeah. Am I a am I a fraud out here? Oh, what am I, I doing? I have imposter syndrome in everything I do. You know, I'm like I'm not really great at anything, and like maybe I thought I like what what was I even thinking, pointing this gun at this animal when I wasn't like 100 percent sure? Why didn't I think about the snow and the tree? And yeah, I always feel like a fraud. Yeah, and that sucks when you wound an animal because of that. And that and that, a situation like that just exposes. You feel like you're exposed to everybody. You're like mm-hmm. the curtains pulled back, and here you are, like. You you have an audience looking down. I'm just talking about me and like you fuck something up, you make a bad shot. And it's just like, you feel like everybody's like, what am I doing? Yeah. What, 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 what is going on? You know, I mean, nothing can, I don't know. It's such a ego shot sometimes. It's, it's an ego shot. And then it's like feeling like, because I was out there trying to have this experience and like take part in my own existence in this way. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that can be like kind of almost romanticized sometimes. And then because of what you were doing and the experience that you had and the thing you didn't think about, which God, I like should have thought about and being so hard on yourself for that. But then having the end result be a wounded animal potentially mm-hmm. that's going to be out there suffering for who knows how long Yeah, that feeling sucks. And like being able to, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't and it's part of it. And ultimately, I mean, there's a million things that could have happened to that elk. Um, that had nothing to do with me, but if I took part in that, yeah, it's just, it's not a great feeling, but, um, but it was, it was, 
it was just like the whole roller coaster of emotion, like every emotion being able to experience that in like, you know, 11 days, there's nothing else in the world that just can bring you to all those different places and life changing, life changing. And then eating, you know, eating the meat from that elk. It was like, every time I ate that meat, it was like this, you know, bringing me back to that Mm -hmm. experience and those feelings and just everything that that was. Yeah. No, it's uh, there's nothing nothing more powerful, nothing. I don't think any more, we can't learn any deeper lessons than we can in the mountains and especially killing something that's like you referenced it, but it's one reason why hunters, you know, you get the anti hunters who throw out death threats all the time. It's not the hunters because hunters Mm -hmm. understand what life and death is Mm -hmm. and why life is cherished. And yeah, you don't say you're going to kill somebody because you don't agree with them like that. Right. Not anti hunters will, but it's a hunter the hunters who have been through so much, it gives us perspective. Yep. And that Absolutely. perspective is hard earned and it hurts. <laughs> it does. It, that, that, I mean, I've been in those situations where it's like, you can't feel any worse. Yeah. And you're questioning your motives. You're right. questioning, God, am I, what am I doing this for? Am I doing this for somebody else? Or is this for me? Did I do, did I have the right, did, was my heart in the right place? And, uh, I think that you know, putting those questions in your head, you can grow from it. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, that sounds masochistic, but it's just like, if I'm not having that experience where I'm like questioning everything about who I am and what I'm doing and why I'm doing everything, it's like to, you know, to be able to have that experience and have those questions, it's like, yeah, you learn so much about who you are and Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in, you know, like succeeding all the time and just being like, Oh, I'm great. And everything I'm doing is righteous. It's like, no, I want to be questioned. Yeah. I want to, I want people to question what I'm doing. I want people to, you know, have to, I want to have those conversations. Like how boring would life be if everyone was just telling you, no, yeah, everything's awesome. Like, no, it's- yeah. I mean, I like it too, because sometimes while I might read something or think something and it doesn't feel good, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. Because it's like, maybe I do need to ask myself this stuff mm-hmm. because if there is, if there is something out there that's like, if I'm not being true to myself, I want to ask those questions and know, but it's like, I've, every time I've asked those questions, I'm like, no, this is who I am. This is what I do. Yeah. But you need that litmus, te- litmus test. Yeah. You know what absolutely. I mean? And it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. When you try to explain that to people who haven't been through it, it probably seems like a foreign language. But right. when somebody's out there for the first time and they're on a hunt and everything's exposed and it's like, okay, it's you and this animal and are you going to kill it or not? Yeah. I mean, that's as black and white as it gets. Have, yeah. And it's just real. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I love how you are like real about your stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, like the whole experience, like with the bear hunt, everything that happened, it's like, yeah, like sometimes the like craziest thing happens is completely out of your control. And it's like, you could just be the person that, um, you know, injects the perfect kill shot and doesn't tell the whole story to keep this whole air of you know whatever in that moment Mm -hmm. or it's like you could be real because that's like a journey and that's part of it and it's just like that authenticity i mean it's not um it's not like romanticizing the failures as much as much as as it is just being like hey like sometimes things happen that are out of you know the realm of what you thought was possible and Killing shit with the bow is fucking hard. Yeah, I mean, it's right. hard. It's all there is to it. And if it's a grizzly, it's even harder. Uh, I would certainly say that. Yeah. Um, what, how do you, uh, what's your preferred method of hunting? I mean, you've done traditional, you've mm-hmm. done compound and mm-hmm. you've done, you just mentioned that rifle. What do you mm-hmm. enjoy the most? 
I mean, I, I enjoy all of it for different reasons, but the bow to me is just different because mm -hmm. it's more intimate and it's more, um, I feel like the, the moment that the shot happens, there's just a, a really crazy disruption on the landscape and there's not that with bow hunting. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the biggest reason that like when I go on rifle hunts, I mean, it's, it's a different experience, but it's also, um, you know, it's because I'm not in a place where I feel like I am shooting enough to feel good about my shot. And mm -hmm. so going out, it's, you know, I don't just want to like target practice on the animal. Right. Um, so for me, it's just, I like it more just because, well, for one, it's just a lighter thing to carry around mm -hmm. it's, yeah. and I can just be more, um, more part of the landscape. It just feels like, um, kind of, you know, more of a, more of that dance as opposed to like this, like just violent sound. Yeah. Just kind of disrupts everything. No, I understand. I completely understand because I, I don't rifle hunt, but I take people out still. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I like it because the chances of success are higher, mm -hmm. you know? So if it's new hunters, I can, I, I like to see people succeed and, and you can use that as like, because it's a little easier, you can still say all the words you want to say. You can say why well, this is important, but it's like with bow hunting, everything has to be perfect. Yeah. So I enjoy the rifle hunting aspect of being out there, but yeah, it is, it's a, it's a loud bang. It's killing by shock and trauma. Mm -hmm. Whereas a bow is quiet, mm -hmm. killing by hemorrhage. Totally. And it's completely different. You say it's not, a, not a, I can't remember how you, but it's something on the landscape where, um, yeah, it's quiet yeah. and it's your part. It feel like you're more part of it. Right. And yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, have you, I can't remember if you said, have you made a bow yourself? Yes. That's how I, like when I first got into it, um, I was the first bow I was really shooting was, a um, a bow from a, a hickory that I cut down and, um, like, you know, carved and tillered and made into this, you know, instrument of hunting. Wow. So it was super fun. Um, and then I got, I was into that for a little while and it was, they were hard to travel with. Um, you know, the more you kind of beat them up and the more you expose them to temperature extremes, mm -hmm. they're a little more finicky. Mm. Um, but I, there's still something about like the experience you have with that wood and like drawing this, uh, this bow out of a piece of wood, mm -hmm. you know, turning a tree into like a bow is just, it's so cool. Cause you have to listen to the wood. It can't be yeah. about what you want. It has to be about what the wood wants. And you I have love to listen that. To it. Yeah. You have, really have to like work with it. Cause if you're like, this is what I want to make. It's kind of like the, my whole philosophy around survival where this is what I want and I'm going to do it and I'm going to force this to happen. Right. Well, if you do that, when you're making a bow, the bow is going to blow up in your face. <laughs> so, um, it was just cool to have the experience with wood. I mean, it gave me a whole new appreciation for wood carvers and woodworkers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not one of those people that's like, there's so many people that are, uh, I don't know. They get really, well, you're not a real bow hunter if you use a compound bow. And then there's the traditional people and they're like, well, you're not a real trad bow hunter unless you make your own bow. And then it's like, well, you're not a real like self bow person unless you're making your own arrows and flint having your own points. And like, what, what, what point do we stop? You know, like we all love this thing. Why are we looking for things that make us different? Yeah. Um, but I just, I love all of it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not going to be taking a hundred yard shot with a self bow. Right. <laughs> like yeah. There's, there's some limitations and there's some things I love about it. And there's some things that I don't love about it. And, mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, but I think all of it is just kind of the same cool. experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's different degrees of the same experience. Yeah. Um, did you make your own arrows too? I did. Really? Yeah. And heads? 
Yep. Really? Yep. And did you ever, did you kill anything with all that? It, um, small animals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like grouse and yeah. Yeah. Once I gave up. Man, it'd be tough to, it seems like it'd be really hard to get it like a deer kill. I mean, yes. And it's, it just really depends on like where the shot is. Cause obviously mm-hmm. you're hitting bone with them. I mean, it's a soft, um, like, a, like if you're using obsidian, I mean, it's wildly sharp. Yeah. Like it's just like flows through flesh, like, mm-hmm. you know, water, but, uh, it's, it's definitely not something that's going to like have any sort of penetration with bone. Yeah. Um, right. No, you got to get lucky in between yeah. ribs or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Did, is that what you, you used obsidian for the heads? Or like, like there's different flints and shirts yeah. and. Okay. Yeah. I want to show you the one I found up here on Pisgah. See what you think oh, of know, it. I'm really it's in excited. the house there. I love um, that. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm ad- addicted to looking for heads when, whenever I'm out. I know. I mean, it's like the biggest treasure hunt oh, ever. Oh, it is. It's so when you're out, I was thinking about this too. So when you're out in, you know, around your cave, whatever you do at your cave, <laughs> um, are you walking around? Are you, do you have the mindset of a hunter or an observer? I think they're the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more like, you know, it's just understanding that land and getting to like really intimately know it. And like, you have to do that to be a hunter. Yeah. And it's just looking at, you know, what do I have? Like, I want to know, like, I don't just want to see like green plants. I want to know what plants are there. I want to like know them as like characters in the story on that Mm -hmm. landscape. And I, it's the same with the animals. I want to understand where they are, why they're at certain points places at certain times of year, I want to know what they're eating and what their like food of choices. And so it's just this level of, you know, there's all these levels of understanding and I just want to like peel all those back. Cause I think there's something to be said about traveling and experiencing a bunch of different landscapes, mm-hmm. but it can be just as incredible to get to know one piece of land and yeah. one kind of environment, like to that depth. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I just know when I'm, when I'm out either I'm looking for heads and yeah. I'm just like kind of a, a, a nod to history. I love the tr- mm-hmm. tradition of archery and the native Americans, but then I'm also like, it seems like if I see something, I'm always like thinking if I see an animal, how could I kill it? Or what, where did it come from? Or right. why is it there? What's my plan of like, yeah, yeah. It's for whatever reason. I mean, I do, I, I like the observation aspect of it. Like you said, maybe I'm just, I guess you have to be a student of the game. I mean, you're a student all the time out there, not the yeah. game, just a yeah. student of life. And life out there is like putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Right. So, yeah, I mean. Well, and subconsciously you have to, like, you're, you've obviously spent time learning or and observing what those animals are going to do to even be able to make any kind of plan. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't know what that animal is going to do and where it's going to go, you don't know where to put yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, whether it's conscious or subconscious, it's like that observation part of things is so important. And it's something that we just don't do a lot cause we're just looking at our phone. I know. I know. I mean, well, like even climbing Pisgah yesterday. So I was saying like, well, oh, they've been seeing this lion and here's this deer bedded and the deer like coming through this bench right here. So the lion hunts that. So it's like, I don't really, like maybe it's more of an observation. Yeah. Just putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I yeah. don't know. Just always trying to make sense of it, I guess. Yeah. Well, and you can look at a landscape and understand where the animals are going to move. Cause you spend lots of time like following animals yeah and it's like you can look at the landscape and know how that's going to play that animal to move through it and that didn't come from you know just thinking about it yeah and i think one of the where, where i learned the most well not the most but i learn a lot like trailing wounded animals too mm-hmm. because there's always depending on the the hit 
how they're reacting, the country they're in. Um, yeah, there's a lot of factors that weigh into where this animal might go to die or yeah. depending on the, on what type of hit it is. But yeah, I learned a lot on that and, uh, done a lot of blood trailing, a lot yeah. of long ones. Hopefully, you know, you always want the short ones, but it's amazing what, what you can learn out there. Yeah. Well, that's just observation too. I mean, it's like it's your, your mind's picking up these subtleties. Like even you finding the arrowhead is just your brain picking up this thing mm -hmm. that didn't fit in. I just have just a point sticking yeah. out. But I'm you're like, like that not... doesn't look normal. Right. So yeah. it's just an observation. It's observation. Of that. And that pro that's probably what makes a good hunter because there's like, you have to notice, notice basically notice things yeah the flick of the ear through yeah. like all that dense ve vegetation in the shadow that mm -hmm. you wouldn't pick up if you were just focused on you know the shape of a deer and even little things like when we were just up bear hunting you know the woods will communicate oh, a yeah. squirrel going off yeah and then you're looking over there and sure as shit here comes yeah. a bear yeah you know what i mean so the it's chain like, reaction you can almost yeah, hear it I know. yeah yeah it's it's pretty good and then i had I had, and I don't know, I, I talked about this, um, I think on Rogan, but like, I love watching the animals and how they react. And what I saw was like a, a smaller bear and it looked, looked like they're walking, like trying to walk harder, step harder. And I was wondering, cause when the bear that I killed, a big boar came, uh, the wind was coming from, from the bait to us. The bear came from the far side, but all that bear at the bait knew he was coming. Mm -hmm. So I was like, do they, are they hearing that vibration? Each right. step is harder, heavier. And then was she trying to mimic that to make herself seem bigger when it's a competitive environment for bait? But anyway, just trying to, always thinking about what does all this mean? Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, I love that part. I love that part too. And then you know where you fit into it too. Mm -hmm. People are, are probably going to think that I'm just like, like being naked, but it, I actually, when I was in, when I was in college, one of the things I used to do is I used to try on, you know, instead of partying with everyone else, like, you know, like all college kids were doing, yeah. I was like, well, no, this is this unique opportunity where there's all these people meandering about. And I want to get from one end of campus to the other without being seen and to up the stakes. Cause I'm a big thing about like the higher, you know, yeah. the, more, the higher the risk, the yeah. more, yeah. So I would, I would try to do it naked. Cause then what? if I got caught, that was a bit like, I didn't want anyone to see me, <laughs> but I knew that if I could like do it, like then I would really not want to be seen and I would try really hard. Yeah. And that if someone did see me, I would know they saw me. Where did this, wh where did this come from? <laughs> well, I just thought it was interesting. Like, you know, like learning about dead space and like yeah. how you can almost hide it. I mean, I was like in a tree, mm -hmm. no one looks up. Mm -hmm. So I'd like be in a tree, like, oh my God, like if they look up and no one would look up <laughs> and it was so interesting. And it made me, you know, not only realize certain tendencies that as a human in our culture that I would have certain weaknesses, but it also just allowed me to know how to kind of like move and find that space that people's eyes tend to skirt over. And, yeah. um, and I just wanted to like kind of be invisible in the woods. And so, I mean, half the reason was because I was like living illegally in the woods on campus, <laughs> but it was just, it was, it was like a game and it was a way to use something that people were already doing and insert myself and like, see if I could like learn that environment and then going into the woods and like hunting and stalking and, mm -hmm. um, and even just like learning how to not have the birds and the squirrels start alarming and kind of play off of them and move around what they're trying to do. It's just like, it was all part of like that learning experience. It was so much fun. Yeah. Did anybody, so nobody saw nobody you? Nobody saw me. No. 
Because they would have, they would have thought this girl is nuts. Thank God it was before the time of cell phones. Because if anyone had seen me and they got like this picture of like the God. naked girl in the tree being really creepy, that would have been not great. Yeah. How do you? How would you explain that if you yeah, did get caught? I have no. I did not ever get that far. Yeah. I. It would have been terrible. I, I probably would have not said anything and made it more weird. I don't know. <laughs> so I think you were you were built for naked and afraid. In a, in a way, but then, you know, I was never counting on being caught. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, what was the most, speaking of ne- naked and afraid, what was the most memorable show for you? I think it was the Amazon just because the environment was so, um, it was just so intense in mm-hmm. every way and mm-hmm. for better or worse. It was just, everything is there is so alive and, um, and then the mental aspect of the thick clouds of mosquitoes that we were just choking on, um, it just made everything more intense. And like, you had to be in control of your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you let that guard down for a second, I mean, there were crew members that quit cause the mosquitoes were too bad and they were right. wearing like full beekeeper suits. <laughs> so it was, um, you just had to be on it and you had to like keep your awareness and the awareness was tested by the amount of, you know, bugs that were constantly trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just loved that because I was just on for that whole time. Hmm. But it was it was so beautiful and it was so incredible. And getting to be out there and see the things I saw and the happy experience I did, I felt so lucky, even though there was just this level of intensity at all times. Because so, of the bugs? Because the bugs and because, you know, the rain was relentless and hmm. the, it was cold. Um so it was just all those factors. And then it just didn't do anything I expected. I mean, okay, have a fire because the smoke is going to repel the mosquitoes. Well, no, those mosquitoes are so crazy that if you have a fire, the heat of the fire does more to attract the mosquitoes really? than the smoke does to repel them. So you couldn't have the fire. So you had to like learn. I mean, really, it turned out to be just moving. Like mm-hmm. you'd be at a camp for two days and the mosquitoes would start showing up and then they'd just bring all their friends and then everyone would be there. So if you moved, then, you know, you'd have like a day that it was better and then it would start to get worse again. And then you moved again. So it was like all that troubleshooting. It just was, um, it was super intense. Did, but I, I love intense. Did you, uh, I mean, water, did you ever want to go underwater to get away or like cover yourself in mud? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I did that. I think the mud, you know, the mud lasts for about 30 seconds and then your body heat dries it and then you're just dirty and getting eaten by bugs. So (laughs) I saw on the one that I watched last night, it was, you did get, I I can't remember what the bugs were, but you were like pretty bit up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the chitras, the sand fleas. Yeah. Yeah, We actually tried using mud, um, with like, it was like the middle of the night. It was the first night and Mm -hmm. it was just getting destroyed. So, you know, you have no lights and you go back there and we're like, it didn't look like he had the same amount of bites. It seemed like you had more. Did you? Yeah. I don't know why they liked me so much. That's a body chemistry type thing. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. It Mm. was wild, but they loved me. Um, I was also spending a lot of time in the swamp, but, um, Mm -hmm. they, uh, they ended up, um, oh, so we're putting mud on ourselves mm-hmm. and we like, they're like, this mud smells terrible, but it's swamp mud, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, in the morning we realized it was like thick monkey poop. Oh my. I'm like slathering <laughs> all over ourselves oh. and yeah, it's like, all right, it didn't work anyway. And I'm just covered in feces. So. And that was the idea. one that I watched the first one. Yeah. The, was it Panama? Did you say? Yeah. 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 And then, but the most memorable was Amazon for mm-hmm. you. And how did that one go? Where, how long were you there? Um, it was, uh, 21 days Mm -hmm. and it was, um, basically they had like 
two people come. One guy quit before he even started because the bugs were so bad. They brought in another person. Both of them quit and they just were like, all right, we'll get these other two guys in there and they're going to, they're going to do it or no one's going to do it. And so did they ever contemplate giving bug dope to you guys? I wonder if everybody was quitting, you know, they were the, the crew was using it and Mm -hmm. it didn't, it like wasn't helping them at all. Really? So seeing the clouds of mosquitoes that were still around them and seeing them with their suits and they were still, I was like, well, it doesn't even matter. And so, so mentally just block it out. Is that what you did? Yeah. I just had to be like, mosquitoes are not going to kill me. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point I wasn't thinking like, Oh, a mosquito can kill you because of malaria. It's like, no, the immediate problem is the bites and that's not going to kill me. But if you focus on that, that becomes your entire reality. But if I choose to focus on like how awesome the stars are right now and just try to like think about other great things and move around, then. Yeah. I mean, I've been up, um, caribou hunting up off the hall road in Alaska and the mosquitoes, we would say, me and Roy have said before, we felt like you could go crazy. Yeah. I mean, you could go insane. Oh yeah. Cause they're just like, the, they were so they're flying like over because you can't get mm-hmm. mosquito dope on your eyes mm-hmm. on your eyeballs so they're like wanting to land on your eyeballs bouncing off the back of your head over and over and the it's sound like, yeah. yeah and you could we had dope but it's like we we're saying if you didn't you could go insane oh yeah if you let it get to you honey i mean you've probably seen the person that just is like oh i hate bugs and they're just like spazzing out yeah. and trying to you know and wasting so much energy yeah and, and it's so funny because yeah you think about that you could it could drive you mad yeah, I yeah. bet. But I mean, that's the cool thing, right? Is that you do have the option of being like, hmm, I'm not going to go down that Just rabbit hole. To that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I, those shows are addicting to watch. I mean, I haven't <laughs> been like, I don't know. It's like, I think I'm always doing stuff. But yeah. when you start watching them, because we watched the, the one with you last night, it's like, man, it's addicting to watch. I can it see why people funny. love that shit. For sure. It's you so, know, they did a good job of like making it interesting and um, yeah, showing the suffering. And then, I mean, at first I was so mad when I found out we were going to be naked. And then when, I mean, they... You weren't mad. You were naked for no reason in college. <laughs> yeah, but no one was filming. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, man, I, you know, I felt like it was just going to be a weird thing because mm-hmm. it's it, like, to me, like, it's not, you know, it can be more sexual to like be in a bikini than just to be totally naked. Like yeah. for some reason there's something that just wasn't sexual about me hiding at a tree on campus. Yeah. But going out there, I was worried, like, what if they decided to make it weird? And well, the uh, guy, the guy in that first one said, I hope she's good looking because yeah, whatever. Like way to make it creepy. Yeah, no. But then he said something about a honeymoon. Yeah. Like this yeah. is like a honeymoon. I'm like, yeah, I know. what are I was we like, doing? This is awkward. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, you quickly just are like, okay, you're my brother out here mm-hmm. because this is just, there's nothing sexy about this yeah. at all. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, did the guy, just, did the guys like look, get cold and small? I mean, I Do feel like that's notice? always the excuse, right? <laughs> I'm always cold. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. No, I, I just got out of the water. Yeah. yeah I know. Oh, the poor guy did the episode in the snow and he's like literally like dragging his junk through the snow as we meet for the first time. And he's, <laughs> I can just hear him yelling like, it's not, I'm just really cold. It's I'm like, it's yeah. fine. Oh. <laughs> There's always has to be the explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think there is just this level where 
it, obviously it made for a great title and it made for this like yeah. catching point to draw people in. But the element that it adds being out there of not having that very, like that first layer of protection. I never appreciated clothes so much and mm. what they do to actually provide a layer of shelter mm -hmm. until you don't have it. You know, and I think that was the worst part with the insects is like, when you have like biting ants and they don't have boundaries, that's yeah. not a great, that's rough. It's not a great thing. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I've never, I don't, I've never been in that situation. Yeah. I mean, other than <laughs> try to keep it that way. It, it's well, not fun. I mean, you sit on bear baits and I've been to where we've had to like duct tape pants because otherwise they'll come up the pants, duct tape here. But yeah, I mean, clothes are pretty handy for They're sure. Great. Clothes are awesome. <laughs> um, what about, it seems like you'd be built perfect for the show alone too. Have they mm -hmm. reached out or have you ever you done yeah, that? Yeah. I thought about it in the beginning. Um, I know the, I'm such a mover and I like to like, if you get, if you're in an area and you don't, you know, the resources aren't good or yeah. whatever. I'm just like a nomad at heart. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be a really difficult thing for me to have to be in one spot mm -hmm. for, and, and know that wherever I was, I was just stuck there. Um, and then it's just like the level of items that you have. I mean, I think it's great. And obviously you're actually out there, um, living off of what you bring. But for me, it's like, I kind of, I've done that a lot and it's, I wish I was more motivated by the, you know, aspect of there actually being a prize, but, um, it doesn't sound like I can do that on my own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas like naked and afraid offered me an opportunity. I do most of everything I do alone. Mm -hmm. So the allure for naked and afraid was that I would go out there with a partner and have to work with someone that I didn't choose. Mm -hmm. And that's like a level of like making things more stressful and uncomfortable for me versus being alone. It's like, well, that's my comfort zone. So this is like something I ca I can and have done on my own. Like why, yeah. like why yeah. will I let someone tell me where I should do that? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's more restrictive yeah. than normal. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, how hard is it to overcome? So when you show up on a show, I mean, they would look at you and they, you know, you'd look at like some, a big man mm -hmm. and you'd think like, oh, this guy is going to be better than Laura at, surviving and naked and afraid and, mm -hmm. be, and thinking and working and doing all this how like how how odd is it that you can't judge anybody on how they look what was that oh i think that's my phone oh is it it's oh so you're like why is there a bird in here yeah i can go grab that okay that's fine. Like, turn off, hang on. yeah it's all good <laughs> i thought we had a bird in here i think a lot of you guys will be interested in this next sponsor first light farms is a New Zealand-based farm that ships elk meat straight to your door. The reality is not everyone's gonna fill their tag every year, so First Light Farms is ready to fill your freezer with lean protein that is high in iron, zinc, and B vitamins. To tell you the truth, I've been pretty surprised at how tender the meat is from First Light Farms. And I guess it's because they have no natural predators in New Zealand, so the elk live a pretty low-stress life, and you can taste that in the meat. They're offering listeners of the podcast a 15% discount using code CAM15 at stateclub.firstlight.farms. The link will be in the show notes of the podcast for those interested. Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops is a sponsor of the podcast, and that's especially powerful for me because I remember when Cabela's came to town, came to Springfield, Oregon, and I actually played a role in the opening of that store Instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors, I shot it with an arrow. 
And it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you going to go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are. And it's actually, it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to be to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. Welcome yeah, it's back. funny. I... The sound of a phone is so stressful to me that I had to make it a bird. Yeah, that was that's <laughs> thrush, not stressful. It's yeah, like, it's more chill. Yeah, um, yeah. So how how like do people make that first impression of you, and yes, then you got to overcome that? I love that. Yeah, I love being underestimated. It's mm. super fun. Um, I remember my first partner out there thought I was an actress, mm-hmm. and that I was just trying to like trip him up. And meanwhile, I've been like living in full survival for like, over ten years at that point. Well, you had been like. On that, you looked like you always had a plan. You know what I mean? Like you always had something. You're like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. It's like you looked comfortable. I never understand how people are bored out there because a lot of people are like, oh, well, it passed the time. I had to do this. I was like, I never had time. Mm -hmm. There was always a list that was 20 times longer than anything I could have ever actually accomplished. And there's just always a way to make your situation better. Mm-hmm. You know, you can like sit and suffer and it's not like I d- dislike suffering, but if you can like make your situation better by doing work, yeah. that's awesome. And it's so fun to problem solve and do all this stuff. And so that's like my jam. And when I'm doing that, it's, it's just like, that's fun. Yeah. It's super fun. And, um, I just, I don't know. It's funny to me that there's certain things guys will be able to do. I'll never be able to lift as much. Like right. there's strength limitations, but, but as far as just using my brain creatively, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a female. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is always just interesting to me that people would so wildly underestimate me mm-hmm. and just think, I mean, how, but I, I, I used to hate it and now I love it. Really? It feels like a superpower. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long does it take before, I'm sure all guys are different because everybody has different egos and different preconceived notions, but how do they notice pretty soon that you're like, Oh shit, she's legit. Oh yeah. And then they get upset Yeah, because they're like, I'm going to look like I don't have any skills and there's going to be this girl that like upstages me. And I'm like, I don't care. Like for me, it's about the experience. It's not about what I look like. Like, I don't like, we'll talk when the cameras are off and we'll figure out how you're not going to look like an idiot, Yeah. but don't try to turn this into a battle where you're like, you know, it's me versus you. That's so silly. Yeah. Has, uh, has it happened on every show? Cause it seems like to me that you would rise to the top pretty quick because of your experience. Yeah. I think once people kind of started understanding or like people will watch the other episodes and so they'll know like who it is that they might be out there with. And Mm -hmm. then you kind of, you know, um, at the same time, I think the, the issue is that, um, I think like women while inherently strong, we tend to doubt ourselves more. Mm -hmm. Men can tend to overestimate their ability and it has nothing to do with like who's better. It's just like the guys who are going to go and show off on a show they tend to be overestimating what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. The women that go out there, they tend to underestimate what they're capable of and think that they're like not a real survivalist. Whereas mm-hmm. the guys think they're like 
impenetrable, yeah. you know, and they're going to just go out there they're and dominate. Rambo. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just, I think there, there comes this moment where like the second that the guide is dealing with a failure or, um, like this lack of confidence from being like, Oh no, like she's doing awesome. And I'm mm-hmm. struggling. It just, they don't know as much how to deal with failure Whereas I almost expect failure. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, okay, this again. All right, let's see what's next. And, yeah. um, that becomes the mental aspect. And then when it gets projected at you because you're doing good and they're yeah. like angry at you because yeah. of that, I, I would run into that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it was never coming from a place of like malice for me. It's not like, well, I want to look good. So you look bad. It was yeah. just like, all right, like, let's help you look better then. Like, what do you want to do? Like, how do you want to? Yeah. Cause you could, you could have went the whole other way <laughs> and just like made them look even worse probably. Right. It just comes back to that whole thing of like, you know, how do you want to have the tallest building in town? Do you want to build the tallest building or you want to tear everyone else's down? It's like, we can all have a tall building. It's cool. Yeah. I understand. Um, who's been the the best partner on one of those shows that you worked the best with? Um, I mean, honestly, a lot of the women, Hmm. the women, you know, we just like would go out there and it would just be like, you know, we would, could be quiet and we wouldn't have to like yell as much. And it was mm-hmm. just very like subtle and low key, but everyone, you know, would have their own benefits. It's like, if I can find someone who just wants to work hard and like have fun and that's one of their goals, they're not like, I'm going to make it through. They're like, I want to enjoy the process. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I think to a, to an extent after the initial time when they would like be miserable and they'd see me having fun, they would, you know, most people would be like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'll just try to have some fun too. Cause I yeah. guess I don't have to be so serious. What well, do you guys ever like tell stories? Like, cause some, sometimes I remember like me and Roy would be on Kodiak and be dark for whatever, 16 hours a day. And oh, so yeah. like sometimes like I just read like a can to them or tell a story or what do you guys, what do you, you know guys what do? We would do is we would, um, talk about food mm-hmm. in the craziest ways to be like, okay, what is the one food from your childhood that you miss? Like, what is the, I had this one kid had a story about how like his grandma made the best biscuits and like she was known for her biscuits. And then like, 10 years later, they ended up finding out that it was, um, the Pillsbury Doughboy biscuits. Oh, it wasn't and, homemade. And she was like, Oh, well I just, I thought you all knew I didn't want to say anything. And like, they were just eating these store <laughs> yeah. biscuits forever and it's just like food stories. Food and then stories. we would try to remember like, Oh, can you remember the, when's the last time you were at Arby's? What kind of stuff do they have on their menu? Mm-hmm. Like what's, and we try to just recite whole menus and, uh, okay. If you could have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? You know, just, obsessing over it over food obsessing yeah craziest details i remember there was a time too because we do the same thing and i we're going i was leaving this after 12 days and we were talking about hey can't wait to get a hamburger a cheeseburger with bacon Mm. and i remember roy said he goes i'm not going he goes can you call my wife and and tell her i'm i I have another deer tag i want to fill and we'd been there 12 days and we'd, we'd killed bucks and we had I was so convinced that we needed this hamburger, right? And then he's like, I remember him saying specifically, he's like, I'm not leaving here to just for a hamburger. Because we had like, that's why we were leaving. We were like, we we killed the box, like, we had a good happening. time. This is what's yeah, happening. So in my head, I was like, oh fuck, I can't wait for this hamburger. And then he just like when it got down to it, he's like, No, I'm not I'm not leaving for a hamburger. So it's it's crazy how much food Did can that hurt a little though, because you were like, Oh, like you could almost taste it or was it I left. Oh, no, I had to get, actually, I had to come back so to you work. You got that. You got it. I, uh, I can't remember now, but <laughs> I do remember calling his wife and saying, 
he was supposed to be home and i said yeah jill um yeah roy he he's still on kodiak he he said he might be another week and she was like what oh <laughs> i just remember gosh. that i don't remember if i got a hamburger i probably did <laughs> i hope so is that like your go-to food you crave when you're out there um man i don't know sometimes it's like a a blueberry pop tart frosted pop tart oh, how good is it? have you had cherry Cherry, yeah. Yeah. But I like I like strawberry better yeah. than cherry. Yeah. So strawberry frosted That's is your number one? Is second no, second oh. to blueberry. Okay. All right. Yeah. My my daughter just bought me some blueberry pop tarts. Me and Taylor ran that mountain the other day and I'm like, Hey, could you give me some pop tarts and milk duds? That's what I took. Have you ever put butter on a Pop Tart? No. Oh, is that good? Life. Yeah. And then how, do you just where do you cook add it? calories? No, in the I oven. Was cold. Oh, cold? Cold. With butter, just mm -hmm. cream. Or you can put on. the butter by the fire for a little bit and melt mm. it and then just have a melty butter on it. But honestly, like a cold Pop-Tart with like slabs of butter on it. Yeah. I usually like the, if I had a choice, it'd be the Pop-Tart and the toaster, like kind of burnt a little bit. Mm. And then you take a bite and it burns your the roof of your mouth. He, the butter will cool that down on the top if you want to melt butter on it. Okay, I, got, I should try that. I guess if you like the burn. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're in your cave, what what's your what's your plan for each day? I mean, there's always just like things. There's always like an like endless list getting of wood to do. or yeah, like getting wood or um, like just I don't know. Like I always want to just leave and explore around the area. Mm -hmm. Like it's really hard to like look at the mountain and be like, oh, I wonder what's over there right now. Mm -hmm. And so there's just this, you know, I got really distracted from like a Nighthawk mating display the other night. I was mm. like, I heard it and I didn't know what it was. And I had to go and investigate. And then I had to watch it. And I, for like two hours was sitting there getting eaten by mosquitoes at sunset, like watching this like bird. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I always have a plan and then I always end up getting distracted and, uh, but there's endless stuff, you know, even if it's just like getting more water, um, or I don't know, um, yeah, wood or just trying to like make a plan and figure out what I'm going to do and where I'm going to build and how that's all going to play out. What's the biggest reward back there? I mean, like, is it mm. finding like a deadhead or an antler or a skull or what's like, what's like, this makes this the best day? Like, honestly, it's the night. Hmm. I'm such a night person. Like, I yeah. just love when it's like, when it's like dark. And there's, but there's a moon and like you're out there and it's just like, you feel like you're so far away from everything else. And like the peace I get there for me, that's like a huge reward. Mm -hmm. I sleep so good. Like I don't sleep as good anywhere else, like being out in a place like that. Mm -hmm. So that to me is like priceless because I really value sleep and I don't do it enough. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the ultimate thing is like, for sure. I mean, finding a finding a skull I haven't ever found. Like I, my dream is to find a Wolverine skull someday. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's definitely on the list, but, um, yeah, I mean antlers, but it's like, it's not even about that. Cause it'll be about the whole day that led up to the, that mm -hmm. moment. And there's so many rewards. Ugh, I was, great. you know, you mentioned the night. So last night I noticed full moon is, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's quite full, but it looked full. Um, and in town, you don't even hardly notice a moon. Right. But every night out there, I can tell you exactly what yeah. the phase of the moon is. That's what I was thinking is yeah. like, the moon is, so can you tell, do you tell a different, if it's a full moon or is there different things going on with the animals? Can you tell I mean, any difference with the moon? Yeah. I feel like there's, there's definitely more activity. Mm -hmm. You know, I think things, things are taking advantage of that light more mm -hmm. just like I do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a difference and I like them. I like it all for different reasons. Um, but it, for me, I mean, I love one of my things is I never want to be reliant on like needing anything. And so being able to cruise around at night without a flashlight in the woods, like leave it behind and go on like an extended long journey for me. Yeah. It's almost like a high because you know that whatever happens and whatever, you know, you end up wanting to see, I mean, I'm sure it's not the safest thing and I like probably should never tell anyone to do that. But for me, it just makes it like real and mm-hmm. it makes it like a whole different experience. I love that. Do you stay like on the ridge tops to do that? Because down in the canyons, it can still get very dark in the timber. For with sure. The moon. And does, doesn't the moon, can you get stuck out there? Like I've had to wait before, like after sunset and then mm-hmm. maybe the moon's not going to rise for three hours. Right. And so I'll just get stuck and I'll just sit and listen okay. and like hear all the things. And then like the moon starts rising. I'm like, Oh sweet. I can cruise again. Yeah. Cause that's so different than the normal human experience. Most people sitting in the dark woods would be miserable. You know what I mean? By themselves. <laughs> but there's always something to, I don't know, take from that. It's so weird because if you talk to like, you know, a hundred random guys and you say, have you ever spent one night in the woods by yourself? Most would say no. It's it's so such a foreign in this day and age, such a foreign thing. And I would, you know, it was a big challenge for me when I went to the wilderness first and staying by yourself, I would just go for the weekend and it felt like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're laying there, you're picking where you're going to sleep for the night, what bed, if the lightning comes in, where am I, where am I at? All these things that you never have to think about. But once you do, it, then it's such an empowering feeling when you don't need anybody mm-hmm. and you're back there and it's just you in the mountain. I feel so much safer out there too. I feel like when you're in a, I mean, I used, when I was a kid, I used to just want to sleep out in my backyard because we never went camping or anything. I would mm-hmm. just be like, I'm going to sleep out in the backyard. And now it's like I'm in a house and there's lights on and I feel like I'm like this target and everyone can see me, but I can't see them. And mm-hmm. I'm just like this glowing target. And when I'm out there, I just feel like I'm part of it. And like, I can actually see anything I need to see. Like if someone's coming towards me with a light, like they're the ones who yeah. are the glowing target and right. I'm just like part of the, so part you're of the in mountain. control. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it just, there's like a piece that comes to that. Whereas like, as long as I pay attention to what's going on around me, And I'm, you know, aware of like what the animals are telling me as far as other animals around me. And I know what's in the area and all those things. Like you can kind of, I don't know, predict or understand more what's happening there. Yeah, you can evaluate risks. Yeah. And humans are the variable you can't understand or control or predict. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not saying you can like always know what's going to happen with animals, but you know, humans freak me out way more than animals. That's, I mean, I've thought that too, like with, with bear, people say, well, you hunt bear with your bow and this and that. And I'm like an animal, I don't know what a man's going to do. Yeah, Men are, or humans are, some are crazy. Some are, yeah. you don't know, you can't, but yeah. an animal, even a wounded animal in some ways you can kind of predict a reaction. Even if it's that it's going to be unpredictable in that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. And then you at least know that. So it's like yeah. the cars are on the table. Like, okay, right. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen right here. Yeah. But yeah, with, with humans, man, it's a wild card every time. Every time. So I get that. Yeah. And you don't know, most of the time I would think that people in the, in the wilderness would be like not looking to harm people, but you don't know. You don't know. And crazy shit happens. Crazy shit happens. And especially if you're on like the outskirts and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I think it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, 
I don't live in fear of people, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's just like a peace and a comfort and a quiet that I can get out there that is yeah. just n- exists nowhere else in my life. I understand that. Um, what's the, what's the worst situation you've been out there by yourself or you, you're like, is this it? Um, I think, I think, you know, I was, I was on top of a mountain in a really bad storm and I, it was like, didn't have enough layers, had, you know, was sweaty at the top and then the weather just changed. And that's when the storm hit mm-hmm. and I couldn't go up anymore. And that was kind of like my way of keeping warm was like right. moving up climbing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh no, I can't go up and I have to come down. Cause it's really, the wind is whipping and the snow was really deep. And it was just like that feeling of exhaustion and not knowing if I could get on and get back to camp and then not even knowing which side I should dip off the mountain because it's just a whiteout. Yeah. And I'm used to using the landscape for navigation. Yeah. And it was such a whiteout that I just didn't even know where to go. I just knew that I had to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, feeling like I just didn't have anything left in the tank and that I'd be, you know, climbing along and I'd break through the snow underneath like a, a like blow down and right. find those air pockets. And, um, and it was like, all right, I, I can't think about where I'm going or how long it's going to take me to get there. And if I have the energy to do that, I have to make it through the next step. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to do. My job right now is to take one more step mm-hmm. to keep moving right now. And it was like, I got down that mountain by having all these moments of accomplishing one more step. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because I just didn't think I had anything left in me. I was so exhausted. And every part of me was like, just take a break and fighting through that. And the realization that I had there that, um, no one was going to come and save me. And that even if I'd had some kind of device to get an emergency signal out, no one would have been able to come. Right. And it was all in my hands. It was like my fate, whether I lived or died was up to me in that moment to, decide. Mm -hmm. And I'd never had anything like that where I realized that, okay, I'm tapping out. Like, that's it. It's like, no, like I have to do something right now. Cause there's no, nothing that's going to save me except for taking this one more step. And that was just like like a cool feeling where it was like, I was, it was the first time that I was aware of the fact that, um, you know, maybe I pushed it too far maybe I didn't have anything left. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just had never experienced that in my sheltered life. I think morality is powerful. I mean, when you realize that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think most people go through life thinking they're not, never going to die. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like There's always the, time. Yeah, we've got time. We can do this. This is whatever. So when you are faced with like, man, this this might be over. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a powerful time. Um, yeah. Do you, do you take a weapon when you're out there? Um, if I'm like close to people, um, and if I have other people with me, mm-hmm. then I do just because I never want to be in a situation where there's like, you know, I'm responsible for someone's safety or like we get into a bad situation and I can't protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for my dog, I actually started bringing, um, like usually bear spray. Cause if he gets in an air, yeah. I'm more worried about an interaction with an animal that I can't predict because he's there. Right. Because he's not any sort of protection. He's a liability mm-hmm. and in all likelihood he will like initiate a conflict. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when he's out there with me, I definitely behave differently, but, um, I'm not saying people should, I think, you know, having a, a weapon out there is a smart idea, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, um, I find I do more stupid things and I, I like move through the woods with a level of ignorance when I have, have a, a backup plan. Yeah. So yeah. 
it's just, if I know it's not there, then I'm constantly having this level of awareness of like my actions right now are going to dictate what happens and I have to pay attention to them. I have to pay attention to my surroundings. I have to know how to like, I mean, you can always run into a bad situation. There's always a risk, but Hey, like I said, driving a car, there's a risk there too, but I'm not, not doing it. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, th- I, I wouldn't say like, oh, it's a great thing to not carry a weapon. I would never say that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's just a weight thing for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, oh, I know they're heavy. <laughs> I, that's, I mean, that's what I always think about when we were hunting one time. I hate taking guns, but one time I did have a pistol on Kodiak and it was just like so fucking heavy. I'm oh like, God, I left I it in the tent. I'm like, I'm not packing this no, thing around that's what anymore. I, yeah. <laughs> so, I know. I'm the same. Yeah. Uh, what, where do you, I don't know, this is kind of a different question, but where do you find most enjoyment, like learning from other cultures or spending time alone in your home mountains? Mm. Um, I mean, I do love, I love both. I think for me, I need to the, it would be a bonus if I can learn from other cultures, but like the solitude, and like knowing myself and like having that time alone is like imperative to my survival mm-hmm. and it makes me who I am and it makes me appreciate everything else I have in my life. And I think without that, I would not be well. Mm-hmm. And I think I love learning from other cultures and I love learning from cultures that have a connection to a place that's just so deep because that's super inspiring. And I love learning stuff for, about, you know, that area. Um, but the alone time for me is like, that is my like addiction. Yeah. I, I love spending long periods of time alone and the places it brings me in my head are so fun. Yeah. So do you read out there or no. what do you do? No, I just spend just, time in my head. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. It's kind of like, I think it's like spring cleaning for my head with like, if I have like things, if I'm using distraction and I'm not really understand what's going on in my brain, then like it's that level of knowing myself and knowing if there's like weird demons lurking, mm-hmm. you know, and like being able to like meet them and have that time. Um, I, I like not having the distraction Okay. because I don't want to tune out. I want to be like super present and see it's what comes up. Be raw with whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever thoughts and feelings you're having. Totally. Yeah. Raw dogging them. <laughs> raw dogging the feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, if I was w- ask myself that question, I loved like going to different places, but it seems like I'm always trying to learn about that to apply it back to my, my what right. elk hunting or bear hunting or whatever I do is like, can this make me better at home? Yeah. Cause I had these things like I've dreamed about bow hunting big bull elk my entire life. So I'm always like, well, I can, you know, the trackers say in Tanzania or the Aborigines, you, you, you see, you learn about the cultures down in, Australia and the history and you're like, well, man, maybe if I have a different perspective back home and, and really honor the, the tradition of what we're doing as hunters, maybe that's going to make me better, put me in a different mindset. So I'm seems like that's what I'm doing. I love spending time with these people and learning from them, Yeah, but it seems like I'm always trying to like have it help my, my toolbox back here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you'd asked me, you know, I don't know, when I was like 18, I would have had a different answer. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is, I just like, I used to just be so obsessed with like 
I think I've just realized how scattered I can get and how I want to learn all these things and I'll never have enough time. So it's like at this point, I'm just like, if I could spend every day for the rest of my life exploring within a hundred mile radius of where I live and I would never see everything. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like trying to choose, you know, what I want and how I want to relate to where I am. Yeah. No, man, the mountains are the best medicine out there. Um, what's your, like, what's your goals? Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, it's been really fun as this really introverted, shy kid who just felt like I liked stuff that no one else did. It's been a really cool process to get to share what I do and have people be like, oh, I never thought about things that way. And I want to go and try this. And oh, here's a picture of me on this mountaintop. And I never thought I would be here. And um, like you inspire people. Yeah. To live I mean, more it's, adventure. That's, yeah. It's like, I'm so uncomfortable with that word, but yeah, in a sense, it's like, even if it's just like, oh, if this chick can do it, there's nothing special about her. I can do it. Like mm-hmm. if that's the way yeah. it works, it's like, that's great to me to, um, <clears throat> you know, the more people that are out there, the more people have that connection. I just think it's better for everyone. Yeah. Um, so just like finding, I just want to find more ways of, bringing what I'm doing to people. And I think what I have that's different is like, it's not about this conquering. It's actually the complete opposite. It's like, all right, how do I like fit into this thing? I'll never conquer Mm -hmm. and, um, not taking myself too seriously and just like sharing that with people. Cause I think people in general do take life way too seriously. Like there's serious moments. And then there's times where it's like, you just have to laugh at the chaos of it all. (laughs) Yeah. I understand. Well, so how do you share this with people? I mean, right now, like just doing the, the, my show on carbon and Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, do Instagram and social media, which I'm just, it's so funny. I feel like one of those, you know, old people that's having like a little kid show on the phone. I'm like, I barely know how to use the thing. It's so funny, but I mean, I think it'd be, it'd be fun to, um, work more with, uh, you know, even having different as a solo person, this is very weird for me to say, but just, yeah. you know, getting more people involved in what I'm doing. And, um, I'm just, I'm not the best at filming everything I'm doing. Cause I, I'm like, oh, I do this every day. It's not interesting, mm-hmm. but I think you know, working with other people that kind of have a fresh idea of what it is and like what people would be interested in seeing and getting to share sides of myself that aren't planned is, is like, that's a cool thing to be able to do. And, um, I don't know. I like bringing other people out there and getting to see it through their eyes. Um, not necessarily like a, like a class. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of not what I mean. It's more just like having authentic experiences with people and, um, learning more like about things just from their mind and how they look at things. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but like concrete goals, I mean, there's no like stats to really measure them in my eyes, but it's yeah. just like doing, doing more, sharing more and like kind of going down that road more. Just living your life. And yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm always like a, a pro <clears throat> Brandlin Shockey, mm. but I always think about him making a film on what you do. It's like, because you, you have this, you know, unique look, uh, thoughts, uh, perspective on all that and having a film made on that seems like it would, it would be, I mean, the shows are good. The shows are good, but any TV show is, has an agenda, you know what I mean? And they have like this format they follow and, but like a film that's like, can show how you feel about it and your, your thoughts on, you know, what you're doing at that time. It just seems like, I mean, I know I'd love to see it. I don't know. It's like, you know, 
you are very unique in just what you're doing. And I think, man, people would love it. I don't know. I don't know what the adventure would be. Maybe, maybe it's just living. Oh, that's what I love about filmmakers, right? They always like can like find this story mm-hmm. in something that I don't see the story. Like, I mean, yeah. And it's so hard to look at yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can't even tell you what my title is. So it's like, how do I, but yeah. I love that. That's why I think it's so cool. As much as I always thought I'd be a hermit, I just love people because all of our perspectives on things are so different. And you kind of need that also to be able to see yourself in a different way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always wanted to write a book too, but it's also like, well, what do I write it about? You know, and I think there's always these questions where it's like, I don't know, I'm just me. I'm still like the like weird, you know, girl living in the arboretum, like uh, <laughs> under the cloak of darkness. So I don't know. When did you turn weird? Were you normal, like did the normal kid stuff and then you turned weird at a certain time or what? I mean, I think I read a lot because I like, wanted to have <laughs> adventures and I was always like weird. But then I would, I remember wearing like a spider, like a fake spider on my head to school mm-hmm. and being like made fun of so bad and being like, what? Like, this is the, you, you're wearing a bow. I can how, wear a spider. How old were you then at this time? Oh, I was probably like second or third grade. Okay. I mean, so it was always just, you know, but I feel like a lot of kids feel like they're different. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I think like, so too. It's uh, hard to feel like you fit in. Yeah. Like there's a few cool kids. And yeah. they probably don't even. I was never the feel, kid. But they, you know, if the truth was known, they have the same doubts, I'm sure. Right. But uh, <clears throat> most kids do feel weird, awkward, and yeah. not accepted. So, yeah. I mean, you kind of embraced it. Right. I'm, like, just, yeah, I'm just still the weird kid. I'm going to feel weird. I'm going to put a spider in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, what's the, there's L Gandler here. What's that? Oh, yeah. It was a year that I actually couldn't make it out on like my yearly trip to go find sheds and deadheads and all the things and my friend Dave found this and sent me a picture and I was like I'm never gonna have another year where I don't make it out there so I got his bull bull tattooed on me to remind me that I didn't want to miss out and have that feeling again so you're never gonna miss out again I mean knock on wood (laughs) all right well I mean I don't know I could I could ask you a million questions (laughs) on a million different things I just love I love everything you're about Laura I love that you're you know, your spirit that you carry out there and, and you, I think you influence a lot of people and it's, uh, you've influenced me and I, I've been impressed with what you do. And it's been an honor for you to, to come here and lift run shoot with me and, and talk. It's, uh, it's been great. I appreciate you. Uh, I, I appreciate it so much. I had so much fun and yeah, thanks for, thanks for finding the edges I needed to push out there. It was oh, awesome. you did great work. Normally I, in this show, is this hers right here, Tan? Yeah. So, yeah. So my goal is to spend time with outliers and you are definitely an outlier. And then I end the show with like this, you know, your new bow that you just shot so well yesterday, hundred yards, my bow. that's your bow. And, uh, it's, I mean, (laughs) you know, you're a true outlier. I, it's, uh, it's an honor to spend time with you and learn from you and hopefully we can get in the mountains and make some magic happen, whether it's on film or just hanging out. Always. I'm always down. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate you. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a company that's very easy for me to promote because I drink coffee all day, every day. But more importantly, they are a huge supporter of the veteran community and are a veteran-owned business, so they have my full support. Use code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first order and 20% off subscription to The Coffee Club, where you get exclusive coffee blends and merchandise.
Mountain Ops offers the best supplements on the market and functional gear for athletes and hunters. Their Battleground Merino garments are some of the best I have found. I've chosen to support a company that supports the community. A portion of every sale on Mountain Ops website, www.mountainops.com, goes to help feed a family in need. Use my code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first purchase and also receive free shipping.